So have you ever been a space where you felt like you cared so much that it just hurt? Where you're in it, you're doing stuff, and all of a sudden you're just numb. You can't deal with it anymore. You can't be bothered to mess with it. That idea is called compassion fatigue. So today in the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about compassion fatigue. What is it? How does it work? How does it manifest? Then we'll talk about areas and spaces where we might be subject to compassion fatigue. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how we can do something to change the problem or issue of compassion fatigue. So first off, again, what is compassion fatigue? So I got this from Dr. Charles Figley. He's a professor um, at the Paul Henry Kurzweig and Distinguished Chair from Tulane University. And he says, compassion fatigue is a state experienced by those helping people are those helping animals in distress. It is a extreme state of tension and preoccupation with the suffering of those being helped to the degree that it becomes to have a sense of secondary traumatic stress for the helper. So again, it's not the person that's experiencing the trauma. It's the helper that gets so wrapped up in what's going on that they start experiencing the trauma themselves. You see, the whole notion of caring too much can hurt. When caregivers overly focus on others, where they're always giving to others, and they never practice any form of self-care, destructive behaviors begin to surface. Apathy can happen. People start to self-isolate. They start bottling up their emotions or they really dive deep and hard into substance abuse. And this is the beginning of a long list of symptoms that are associated with a secondary traumatic stress order labeled compassion fatigue. While the effects of compassion fatigue can cause pain and suffering, Learning to recognize and manage its symptoms is the first step towards healing. And if you need to learn more about this, I, I highly recommend you get a hold of the Compassion Fatigue Awareness Project. That is a dedicated group of folks that are committed to educating caregivers about authentic and sustainable self-care, as well as aiding organizations where the goal is providing healthy, compassionate care to those who to whom they serve. So if you're interested, I would recommend going down to compassionfatigue.org, learning a little bit more about the organization because that is a great space to come to learn and to understand a little bit more about compassion fatigue. A little bit further on compassion fatigue, again, this is from Compassion Fatigue Awareness Project. Studies confirm that caregivers play host to high level compassion fatigue. Day in, day out, these workers struggle in giving care in environments that are constantly present and dealing with situations that are heart-wrenching, heart 
as well as incredibly emotionally challenging. Affecting positive change in society, a mission that is so vital to those passionate that are caring about others, is perceived as if elusive, if not completely impossible. It is this painful reality, coupled with the first-hand knowledge of society's flagrant disregard for the safety and well-being of the feeble as well as the frail, frail. I kind of have some more concerns about the words they use there, but the flagrant disregard of the safety of these folks eventually takes its toll on everyone from full-time workers to part-time volunteers, and then eventually these sense of negative emotions start to prevail and pervade. Compassion fatigue symptoms are normal displays of chronic stress resulting from the care of the, the people giving the work that they choose to engage in. There's a leading traumatologist, traumatologist Eric Gendry, suggests that people who are attracted to care often enter the field already experiencing some sense of compassion fatigue. They have a strong identification with helplessness, with feelings of suffering, or traumatized people or animals, and that is their motive of getting into the work. It is common for such people to hail from a tradition from that Gentry labels other-directed caregiving. Simply put, these people were taught at an early age to care for the needs of others before caring for the needs of their own. Authentic, ongoing self-care practices are absence from these people's lives. So if you sense that you might be suffering from compassion fatigue, chances are and are excellent that you may be. Your path towards wellness begins with one small step, awareness. A heightened awareness can lead to insights regarding past traumas or painful situations that are being relived over and over again within the confines of your symptoms as well as your behaviors. With appropriate information and support, you can embark on a journey of discovery, healing past traumas, and pain that is currently serving as obstacles to your own happier, healthier lifestyle. Many resources are available to help you recognize the causes and symptoms of compassion fatigue. Healing begins by employing such simple practices as regular exercise, healthy eating habits, enjoyable social activities, journaling, and restful, fulfilling sleep. Hopefully the information that I'm gonna tell you in the podcast can jumpstart your process, but accepting the presence of compassion fatigue in your life only serves to validate that you actually are a deeply caring individual. Somewhere along your path, this truth is going to have to present itself. You don't have to make a choice. It is possible to practice healthy, ongoing self-care while also successfully continuing to care for others as you are so driven to do. Here, uh, I'm gonna list some symptoms that helps you get a sense of whether you may be experiencing compassion fatigue. And this comes from the Mayo Clinic Guide to Stress-Free Living from folks that are inundated with graphic images of others unimaginable suffering so um, when people get to this space we start getting to spaces of numbness 
So signs of compassion fatigue include uh, feeling burdened by the suffering of others. You see other people that are suffering, you feel called, you feel like it's your responsibility to do something, you feel like you have to fix the problem. Uh, it might be blaming others for their suffering. So if you see someone in a painful situation, you start to disassociate, you start to have some cognitive dissonance, and you start blaming other people for their own suffering because you feel so limited in what you have the capacity to do that you can't take that on anymore. And so you start blaming others for their own suffering. You also might begin isolating yourself, not going out, not having fun, uh, not doing the work that used to bring you so much love before you, that sense of isolation might be a source of this compassion fatigue idea. Um, if you feel like you can no longer have any pleasure in life, like who am I to go enjoy this movie uh, when so many people are starving? Who am I to enjoy a good meal when so many people have so few? You know, it gets to this place of second guessing everything because you're not willing to bring joy into your life because bringing joy into your life brings more guilt, brings more pain and suffering into your own life. Um, you may experience difficulty concentrating, a really hard time focusing uh, because you're in this space of constant wear, worn outness. You're in the space of constant like adrenal fatigue from being in this emergency state over and over again. Uh, insomnia, not being able to sleep, not being able to get rest because the, the, the need is so great and you feel, com you feel compelled to do something about this over and over again. Uh, sometimes it's physical and or mental fatigue. So sometimes you're physically worn out and exhausted. Sometimes you're mentally just drained and you can't do it. Um, teachers get in this space sometimes at the end of the semester if they don't find good self-sustaining practices at the end of the semester they can be just burnt out uh, and just dying for summertime because they don't manage themselves well over the course of the semester uh, you may begin bottling up your emotions or denying your emotions because of the fact that you're you feel as though because these other people are experiencing such acute problems situations and stress that you don't get to have feelings that you don't get to have stress right that you don't get to be sad because you're so other focused. Uh, sometimes it uh, manifests as increased nightmares or anxiety dreams. You might have these nightmare anxiety dreams because you're taking that anxiety with you in other spaces or places. Uh, sometimes it's feeling this feelings of hopelessness, despair, or a sense that nothing that you do is going to matter. So that sometimes will manifest as a sense of powerlessness in a way that is not healthy or doesn't help you in any way. Uh, sometimes it's a frequent complaining about your work or a frequent complaining about your life or your lot in life because you're not doing those things that give you joy. So everything is just work, pain, suffering over and over. I know, right? Are you starting to feel dark about this? Like I am and I'm just telling you about it. Sometimes it's numbing by overeating. So you'll eat to feel a sense of satiation. Uh, you'll eat to have an experience and so when you're eating you're usually stuff eating stuff that has a good mouthfeel donuts right so you're eating stuff that has like a hit of dopamine like chocolate right so you're not eating good foods that give you good feelings you're eating foods that make you feel a certain way temporarily to distract from the other feelings that you have 
a lot of the time it's really characterized by excessive use of drugs so if you're doing drugs like you know chronically like uh, marijuana every single night or you drink like a bottle of wine every night when you go home could be compassion fatigue where you're really starting to deal with some of this stuff it might be denial, right? Like you're denial in that you may be experiencing contagion fatigue. No, I'm not. No, I'm not important enough to deal with those things. Or um, I deny that I'm having these feelings or experiences because the work's so important. I deny that I'm feeling or experiencing these things because who am I to worry about these things? You know, you don't allow yourself to have the humanness of an experience to be able to fully experience this stuff. And so you deny it, so you don't have to deal with that cognitive dissonance of you actually being in this space. You can be in a space where you start to begin to receive a lot of complaints about your work, the quality of your work, or the attitude of your work. Uh, sometimes compassion fatigue is marred by a sense of gallows humor, where you start to have this really dark, really cynical uh, sense of humor about like your work or what you do. Like it's very caustic, it's very negative. It can be very victim blamey. Uh, so that real dark sense of humor about like what's going on and what's happening. Uh, and then the last one is poor self-care. Um, you're not taking care of yourself. You're not putting yourself in a space where you're fresh again. You're able to start over again. And so again, these are some of the things that you might be feeling if you're experiencing this sense of compassion fatigue. Now next, I'm gonna move into what you might recommend doing, like how to get yourself out of compassion fatigue. So first off is enhance your awareness of your situation with more education. So again, go to the Compassion Fatigue Awareness Project. There's another thing that you could take, it's an assessment. It's called the Professional Quality of Life Questionnaire. Uh, which was developed by Dr. Beth Hull Stam, one of the world's leading experts on compassion fatigue. And it's been translated into 17 different languages. Um, it's, help, it's to help you figure out if professional helpers are getting feedback about compassion fatigue, if they're starting to burn out, or if they're starting to experience too great of a amount of life stress because they spent too much time helping other people. If you are doing these things, also accept where you are on your path at all times. This is where I'm at in my path. This is how I'm feeling about my path. This is how I'm feeling about my work, right? What does that mean for me? Am I bringing this stuff home? Is it spilling over into my family, my loved ones, my friends? How can I get a little bit more emotional distance? How can I get better emotional boundaries? Because you still want to care, but you got to limit your ability you got to have realistic notions on what you can actually do to affect this issue. Exchange information and feelings with people who can validate you and validate your experiences. So talk to other people that are in high stress situations. Talk to nurses, talk to EMTs, talk to um, activists that are on the front lines of doing the work to see what they're doing to manage those feelings or deal with those feelings. Um, clarify your personal boundaries. What can you do? What works for you? What doesn't work for you? What gets you too emotionally invested? Uh, this is one of those things I had to consider early because I wanted to be a counselor, but my emotional boundaries aren't that good for people that are stuck in dwelling 
on their feelings and not trying to help themselves emotionally evolve in some way, shape, or form, right? Sometimes a good counselor needs to sit with someone and their pain till they decide to move. And I couldn't do that. I was like, you just need to start doing this. And I wasn't going to be effective because I was prescribing solutions without someone understanding the pain of their situation that would then allow them to move into a new space. Be kind to yourself. You know, start start looking at you and what you're doing and how you try to help and that you're doing your best and that you're experiencing this compassion fatigue thing. And that's okay because it's part of being human. And if you weren't experiencing this thing, you wouldn't be a human. And if you weren't a human, you wouldn't be able to help or make a difference for other people, right? Um, what is realistic to expect for yourself? What do you need to be able to do your job? What do you need to be able to help other people? Express what you need to others verbally. I need this. I need a vacation. Um, I need to only be in this area of the help one day a week so I can manage myself. I, I need this, right? Like, if you can take care of yourself, you can take care of others, but you have to remember that you are where all the things come from. And if you don't take care of you, then you can't take care of others. So understanding you are the source of the help. And unless you're okay and in a positive state, space where you can make a difference for others, then you can't make a difference for others because you're not taking care of you first. You are where the things come from. You need to eat, you need to sleep, you need to be happy, you need to laugh sometimes. If you do those things, you have the capacity to help other people. If you don't, you don't. So sometimes you need to look at you and be like, I need this for me so I can do this for you. So sometimes you gotta bend that extrinsic motivation back to you so you can be effective, so you can make a difference for others. And you also really need to consider taking a positive action to change your environment, to change your space, to look differently at different things, to become more optimistic, to like work in some exercise, right? Like, or find a way to go take a walk in the sunshine, right? Do something to change your space, not just physically, but mentally. Another thing that I recommend doing so you can limit your sense of compassion fatigue, and honestly, this is part of the reason why I posted this, podcast specifically is sometimes you need to limit the amount of daily news you watch or read about sometimes hearing about all this pain trauma um, like right now we're hearing about how we're about to go to war with Iran that's stress maybe you don't need right now go on to Huffington Post good news and find some happy things that exist in the world subscribe to happy memes on social media subscribe to positive uh, coaching positive life things like Subscribe to those things that are going to bring you some joy and gratitude in the life. And you'll notice in the Inclusive Activism podcast, we share some good, happy stuff as well as issues and problems because we got to have a balance of those things. Otherwise, we can't make a difference for other folks. Try to come to terms with the fact that pain and suffering are realities of life and that we are not God, that we are not the president we are not in charge of everything and we don't have control over these things so pain and suffering are sometimes things that are necessary sometimes for certain people so they can change and if you pull them out of that they won't change because they'll just see you as the person that rescues them from those feelings rather than seeing that they have the power to do something about this problem on their own
Another thing that you can do that's really powerful and can make a huge difference is practice gratitude. Be grateful for what is good in your life. Be grateful for the things in this world that you appreciate. Take time every day. Maybe do it at the beginning of the day, maybe do it at the end of the day. Write down three things that you're incredibly happy and grateful for and reflect on that for a minute. You practice this gratitude thing, you're gonna start experiencing more joy and you're gonna be more effective in trying to help people again. Try to find some meaning in the suffering you see. Sometimes people have to suffer to a certain place and to a certain amount so things can change, right? Sometimes when things get the worst, that's what gets people in a place where they're willing to try to move or consider new paths or course of action. So understand suffering, pain, um, difficulty, sometimes like a certain amount of that thing has to happen so we can move to a space of change. Um, that's what I try to remind myself with current presidential politics. Maybe the nation needs to suffer so much before we can find a way to evolve. Um, if you blame something, blame the situation and the circumstances, not the person or not yourself. So look systemically at what's happening, what's going on. Um, it's not your fault. It's not this person's fault. There's some huge systemic issues that are happening here that are at play that we need to look at trying to undo and it's going to take time to undo that stuff. One person can't fix all the things. Lastly, I would recommend show compassion to yourself by being kind to you, you're being kind to others, um, practicing kindness on a daily basis with those uh, the people in your life that you love, the people that you work with, as well as yourself. Uh, attempt to soothe yourself and the pain you're experiencing. Attempt to soothe others and the pain they're experiencing. Ask for soothing for those people in your life that you love. Soothe the people that you love. Uh, and comfort, not just yourself, other people, other folks in the world, so you can experience greater holistic harmony so you can feel a lot better about the situation and circumstances that you're in last part of the podcast why do we need to know about this well one part of the reason why i talked about non-reactivity this year is because i knew everybody's gonna try to get you wound up everybody's gonna try to get you like in a heightened state of anxiety or worry or concern because they think that's what you need to be at so you can you'll want to move or change that is not necessarily the case now here in phoenix we just had a horrible issue with the phoenix police where they were threatening to blow a head blow a four-year-old's head off and that is incredibly stressful to see because phoenix police have been having problems over and over again and sadly kill people over and over again a lot and so if you're working against the phoenix police and you see this stuff you could experience compassion fatigue, right? But when activists bring this forward, they show how the problem exists, they gives them evidence to make a case against them that they have to move, that they have to evolve, right? I think this is part of what could be something that helps change things. There's no guarantee it will, but it could, especially if we add our effort to it. Now, just because that happens, should I not enjoy myself if I had a plan to enjoy myself available? Now, you need to take care of yourself. You are where those things come from. You are where those things happen. And another thing that you could do 
to help yourself if, if you're involved with Phoenix police issues is there's been a fee, a hashtag film Phoenix cops uh, that have been going around the city of Phoenix and people filmed it and people were confronting the police about like, hey, you need to calm down, man. Hey, you need to deescalate this, right? It's funny because the police, like the people watching the police were doing a better job than the police were at that thing. So again, you can see, you can get some solace from that thing. And again, I'm not saying things aren't important. I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel the urgency of moments, but you gotta find a balance between the two things. It's not all this and it's not all that. And if you don't find a way to like gently manage this stuff, it's gonna get to a place where you won't have the ability or capacity to make a difference for other people. And if you can't recognize your own sense of compassion fatigue, what you need to do if you're maybe experiencing a compassion fatigue and how you can make a difference for it, you're not gonna be able to help anybody else because you gotta take care of you. Otherwise, we can't take care of anybody else because you are where the help and the assistance comes from. We need you to be on top of making sure that you're okay. So with that, that's all I got uh, today. What I talked to you about was a little bit about what compassion fatigue is, what does it look like? What are some signs and symptoms, symptoms that you might be experiencing some things? Uh, I gave you some feedback about what you can do to help yourself if you are experiencing compassion fatigue, some steps to take, some little action items that you can get involved in to limit your compassion fatigue uh, if it is happening. And then we also talked about why we need to understand this thing, why we need to be aware of this as inclusive activists so we can become better people and make better outcomes for other folks. And understanding the line between a good us and a good we, um, sometimes it's going to be one of those things where you're like, I got to spend some time on me for the we. Sometimes it's going to mean I'm going to spend some more time on the we for the we. Sometimes I spend more time for the we for the me. Right? Understanding this stuff is really important if we're going to evolve and become our best selves so we can make a positive impact on the world. So with that, me checking in on my self-care, that's part of the reason why self-care is in this podcast. Um, I can say today I am doing a really good job working out, and today I am not going to work out because I went fishing today with my friend Don Lant. And if I was going to jam fishing or working out in, I'd be mashing it in, and I wouldn't enjoy it, and it wouldn't be something that would bring me joy. And so today I'm going to take a knee. Like I could work out, but I'm not going to because I don't have to every day because the fishing got me like almost 600 move calories in today um, I won't maybe hit my workout uh, stuff but maybe we'll walk tank maybe I'll put it on while we walk tank this afternoon and that could be some one of the places where I get that stuff done but you know I gotta have a balanced view it's not all or nothing you know I spent a lot of time in the sun today um, I didn't catch any fish that didn't help the self-care at all. Um, but I did spend some time on the water in nature. Got a lot of great sunlight. Got a lot of uh, negative ions. Got some water molecules up in my face. Uh, it was good, good. And we didn't keep the fish. We just released those guys. And so uh, that was something that was really positive. Uh, I'm keeping up on my working out enough that I can afford not to work out today. Right? Keeping up on my cardio enough that I can afford to not do cardio today. Uh, need to get a little bit better at my mindfulness. I uh, do need to experience more of that. I do find fishing was like a mindfulness practice activity, but maybe with the extra time that I don't spend working out, I'll lay on the couch and do some meditation because I could probably use those things. 
Uh, spending a lot of good time with Tank, um, trying to find ways to train Tank in positive ways um, so I can be more positive and effusive with my feedback stuff, and that's a form of self-care. Uh, as far as activism, I am doing some new things with the podcast that will be rolled out in the near future. The podcast is going to engage in an evolution where we look at changing how and what we do things, and we're going to partner with some folks in the near future, and so that's a form of activism. Uh, I'm also doing some work for free at school where I'm building a leadership certificate. Uh, that is a lot of the good things that I try to put out in the world. Having a leadership certificate adds value to the students that take those classes. It's another driver to help students take those classes. Uh, it gives them language to tell them about what they learned in those classes to help them make a positive difference in the world. So that's another form of activism that I'm engaging in. Uh, next week I'm going to be heading to Eddingtown, which is 130 hours of activism. Uh, and then trying to make the world a better place. And so I'm feeling good about my capacity to make a difference in the world. I'm also working with my peer mentor to help her become a better person, to help her with a couple things. Um, I got to have, uh, this is self-care and activism. I got to have dinner with Jim, my counselor friend, and his wife, Kiri. I got to have dinner with my friend, Calvin Terrell, and his wife, uh, Tahiri, and got to meet them and got to know them. And again, that's a form of activism that helps me with stuff. So good stuff happening right now. Uh, a good summer of like building up a little bit more and feeling a little bit better. And as far as a recommendation for the podcast, I just got done reading Andrew Yang's book, The War on Normal People. And yes, I know in the title that's got some problematics. But one of the things I really liked about the book, The War on Normal People, is I feel like uh, candidate presidential candidate Andrew Yang has the best sense of what might happen in the future of anybody I've heard in a really long time. And his sense of what AI is going to do, um, automation is going to do, self-driving cars are going to do, um, could really wreak hack, uh, havoc on the workforce. And I really highly recommend you check out the book. Uh, it's like 10 bucks if you're going to buy it. It's not a hard read. If you buy the audiobook version, it's like, it's 20 bucks, but it's maybe three hours. And if you listen to it on two times, it's like an hour and a half. But it's still amazing stuff, and I really recommend you check it out. And that being said, if you have any thoughts or opinions on this, you can always voicemail me at 860-576-9393. Again, the voicemail text line is 860-576-9393. Or you can email me at inclusiveactivism at cox.net. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M at cox.net. Uh, email me your thoughts and opinions. I'd love to hear those things. And we can have a conversation about compassion and fatigue. Are you experiencing these things? Have you experienced these things? What do you do to getting out of that? Are you self-medicating in a way that's not healthy? Or are you trying to find like sustainable practices that'll help make you a better person that may put some stress on you that will help you become a better person. Like, are you doing some of those things? Let's have a conversation about that. Uh, and lastly, if you are interested in hiring me or learning more about this organization, you can do so at www.inclusiveactivism.com. That's I-N-C-L-U-S-I-V-E-A-C-T-I-V-I-S-M.com. And again, I am your host, Rowdy. Peace and blessings to you. I appreciate you listening to this. I hope I've given you a nugget that helps make you a better person and helps us serve the world in a way that makes the world a better place for you and for me. And with that, 
I'm signing out and I'm appreciating you and thank you so much.